Sarhia. A collage of bright graffiti and political slogans drowns this district of central Athens in colour. Small cafes sprawled on the streets create a cacophony of voices and laughter. Today, Exarchia has been gentrified into a must-see cultural attraction for visitors to Athens. Since 2012, Exarchia has become more of a tourist attraction. My name is Rosa Vasilaki, teaching fellow at the University of Pantheon at the Department of Social Anthropology. People from all over the world come to visit its graffiti-filled streets and neoclassical buildings while enjoying a cup of coffee in a laid-back environment quite distinct from other parts of Athens. But Exarchia has also been called the anarchist capital of Europe, and its anti-establishment nature is still very palpable. From the anarchy symbols splashed in black and red across the walls, to the infinite posters calling for social action against fascism and state oppression, a bar named Revolt, and the incense of cannabis smoke oozing from the main square, it's clear that no amount of tourism or gentrification will strip this space of its anti-authoritarian soul. Exarchia is known as an enclave of the anti-establishment, a space where anime is highly tolerated. In the day, children will run around a Greek taverna, a few meters above two men suspiciously exchanging cash. Artists will paint portraits next to vendors selling illegal cigarettes. After dark, many Greeks avoid finding themselves in these streets due to the heated history and heightened crime and local residents have expressed desperation at the lack of protection afforded to them in this anarchy-filled area. But... Eleven years ago was the stage upon which a most horrific tragedy took place. On December 6, 2008, a 15-year-old boy named Alexis Grigoropoulos was killed on Zavella Street in the district of Exarchia as a result of a ricocheted bullet fired in his direction by a police officer on duty. His death caused outrage within Greek society and led to a mass reaction that was unlike anything in its recent history. For the next three weeks, demonstrations and riots ensued both in Athens and the rest of Greece, with some solidarity protests and riots taking place internationally as well. The December of 2008 lit up an ongoing vendetta between anarchist groups very much at the forefront of the Athenian riots and police forces who had been regarded as a repressive state apparatus throughout the 20th century, a symbol of the Greek state which had long been mistrusted. The events which occurred were unprecedented and were to be an ominous foreshadowing of the tough years to come for Greece. Pause. Let's take a step back. 1973. A far-right military dictatorship has been ruling Greece and seizing power through a coup d'etat in 1967. This period is known amongst Greek people as the Junda. The military regime led by a series of colonels justified their power as drastic action which was necessary to protect Greece from communist takeover, much like the general Cold War sentiment of the time. A percentage of the population was actually persecuted because of their political beliefs. This fueled the political divides of left and right, even further than the destructive civil war between the two sides already had in 1946. Civil liberties were suppressed, freedom of thought and press were suspended, and political parties were dissolved, prohibiting any form of political dissent. Suspected communists were arrested and potentially exiled or tortured. Citizens had no right of assembly, and political demonstrations were strictly forbidden. And then? In November of 1973, an act of local terrorism marked the beginning of the end of the seven-year dictatorship. 
This is known as the Polytechnic Uprising. After six and a half years of strict military rule, students began demonstrations in the School of Law in Athens, moving on to the Polytechnic School, which happens to lie a mere 500 meters away from Exarchia Square. By nightfall, police asked the students to leave the premises, but they refused, occupying the building. Many more heard of the occupation and joined the group in the Polytechnic. Two days later, the building and surrounding areas were packed with protesting crowds. Police surrounded them, attempting to stop a further influx of people. In the early hours of November 17th, an army tank stands menacingly in front of the polytechnic gates, ordering the crowd to disperse. But they didn't budge. An hour later, the tank came crashing into the building, tearing down the gate while people still clung to it. The shock caused by this act was one of the biggest reasons why the dictatorship was toppled a year after the polytechnic uprising. After the events of 1973, Greece saw the emergence of a true anarchist subculture. That particular contemporary anarchist space arose in the aftermath of the collapse of the dictatorship. In the years after the reinstatement of democracy in Greece, Exarchia became a hub of discussion for the alternative groups, as Professor Vatikiotis called them. My name is Padelis Vatikiotis. I'm working in Kadirhas University in the new media department. Various social and political actors, such as autonomists, leftists, anarchists, artists, ecologists, feminists, ethnic minorities, and conscientious objectors formed a vibrant bohemian space of expression, discussion and promotion of their own views, which challenged the status quo. It was not only related to the practice of protests and riots, but it was related to a culture of dissent. Their distinctiveness made Exarchia a bohemian, creative and free environment where criticisms toward the dominant standards of the day could be made. The fact that it was ultimately far-left activism which had united Greek society against the military regime during the uprising meant that this anarchist subculture and many extra-parliamentary leftist groups enjoyed a degree of legitimacy in Greek society. All this time we may find the anarchists, the extra-parliamentary left and the anti-authoritarian movement to be very active in several occasions, I mean with uh, direct actions against uh, the state, clashes with the police, occupations. I think every single decade we have at least one occupation and their opposition to several policies that were introduced. And where was this anti-authoritarian subculture to emerge but 500 meters away from the Polytechnic itself, in Exarchia? The role of Exarchia as an enclave of activist and anarchist ideology is not just related to the proximity of the Polytechnic as a symbol of revolutionary political change, but to its proximity for practical reasons too. After the Polytechnic Uprising, a new asylum law was introduced, stating that police forces were prohibited from entering school and university buildings under any circumstances, a truly unique Greek phenomenon. Of course that plays a role, in the sense that loads of people can't be persecuted, but they're out of the reach of the police. That plays a role operationally. It's a safe space. It's a global particularity. It has good reason to exist, but it doesn't necessarily function in the way it should. This law played a role in the development of Exarchia as a space for activist groups, as those involved in violent clashes could always resort to the Polytechnic and other nearby universities as a place free from the possibility of arrest. 
This asylum law was also an indication of the cliché police versus the people relationship, which had taken a toxic turn in Greece after the repressive military dictatorship and the climax of the Polytechnic Uprising. I think that Vendetta started together with the collapse of the dictatorship in Greece. The police is seen not just in Greece, but for particular historical reasons, especially in Greece, where there's no distinction between police as a service and police as a repressive state apparatus. There is not such a distinction like in the UK, for instance. And that has to do with political decisions in Greece. So that political vendetta started back those days. It has evolved because there were, of course, certain killings of protesters, but it has developed as well throughout the years that particular space which is also a bohemian space it has lost these days that bohemian aspect december 6 2008 15 year old alexis grigoropoulos is killed by a ricocheted bullet fired by a police officer in the district of exarchia a notorious anarchist space I think it's very hard to really know what happened that night. What we really know for sure is that the police officer shot the boy and also the fact that we can't know the extent to which was provoked or unprovoked, but this is definitely an act that shouldn't have happened. What we also know is that that caused an immediate reaction from a wide array of people in Greek society. Within 90 minutes of his death, demonstrations begin spreading from Exarchia to the rest of Athens, swiftly turning into riots and violent clashes between anarchist extra-parliamentary left groups and the police. These riots continued incessantly for three weeks in Athens, with attacks on police stations and government buildings, large-scale occupations and sit-ins, and widespread damage to exposed window fronts and vehicles. Molotov cocktails, smoke and tear gas were the centre of the day as buildings, bins and cars were set on fire. It was the first time in the very recent history of Greece that we have this kind of explosion and such a massive reaction. Perhaps the most symbolic act at the time was the large decorative Christmas tree in Sidarma Square, the most central part of Athens where parliaments are situated, being set on fire by protesters. Further protests and riots were sparked in the rest of Greece and other parts of the world, with numerous Greek embassies being targeted globally, and on some occasions even leading to clashes between rioters and foreign police forces. Anarchist groups were very much at the forefront of these protests and more so of the subsequent riots. It started of course in Exarchia, that was the local of the whole event, and then expanded in Athens and broader in uh, other cities of Greece. The fact that Alexis Grigoropoulos had been killed in their anarchist stronghold by their sworn enemy, the police, played a role in their rapid, heated reaction. The first groups which actually reacted were the anarchist groups in Athens, especially around Exarchia, where the killing took place. But mobilization did not end there. The youth, the workers, the unemployed, the conscientious citizens, and for the first time in Greece, the immigrant minorities all took to the streets to demonstrate. The immigrants is a new political subject at that time. The riots had different stages. There were different groups participating, although I think that the leadership and the real engine of that uh, particular development was the anarchist groups and generally extra-parliamentary left, and especially the youth. It traveled to different contexts as well. Loads of people protested. That doesn't mean that they rioted. 
new media such as texting, blogs and social media accounts made this mass mobilization much easier to organize and much quicker to spread both nationally and internationally. The ones who did not participate, they felt that this was a very significant interruption that could lead somehow to something that was not controlled. One thing all different participants had in common was their condemnation of the death of a young boy at the hands of those whose duty it was to protect Greek citizens. However, on November 17, 1985, a 15-year-old boy named Michalis Kaltazas also lost his life at the hands of a police officer after being shot in the back of the head at a polytechnic uprising memorial demonstration as he was running towards Exatia Square. While his death sparked mobilization and further mistrust towards the police, it was nothing compared to what took place in the December of 2008. What was different? Why did the masses take to the streets for such a long time and in so many places well beyond Greece's borders? What was the political context within which that act took a particular significance? It was not just a crowd that responded to police brutality, but diverse social groups who participated, and of course they made their claims during these protest movements. To me, these were ideological riots to the extent that loads of people relate to that hate against the police, and that has to do with the specific role police played in policing politics in Greece throughout the 20th century. I think what played a huge role in the riots having this ideological character is the hate against the police, which is a constant, it's a permanent characteristic of Greek society. And that goes before the Second World War and the persecution of communists. It goes into the Civil War and into the years that actually followed the Civil War. The economic context also played a role. Let's not forget that this is more or less the beginning of the crisis. The 700 salary generation, for the first time, they started losing faith in the belief that the next generation is going to have a better life. And it was a big economic problem, especially for youth. Political factors also play a role. Unemployment was also an important factor. It is very hard because of the structure of our society and the structure of the job market, clientelism. It's very hard for people to get jobs they really deserve. Meritocracy is not even a myth in Greece, it's an existence. It's very hard to get by without knowing people. We have the introduction of many precarious forms of employment. Also in the social level, we may find several uh, issues that are raised out of this kind of exclusion of many marginalized and uh, groups who do not have a saying in the public sphere. These factors play the role in building towards rage and towards this feeling of injustice that was expressed through the riots. A lot of participants have the feeling of something goes wrong here, the feeling of injustice, of inequality, there is no future for us, rage for what happened against police brutality. All of them contributed somehow to their participation initially in the protest in December 2008. Anyone who identified with a critique of the state, of injustice, unemployment and a looming economic crisis saw Alexis Grigoropoulos' death as the drop that made the glass overflow, as the Greek expression goes. Most people, especially after the reinstitution of democracy in Greece in 1974, because Greece experienced what other countries experienced just after the Second World War, 30 years later, they believed that modernization translates into social mobility. And social mobility translates into better jobs, and better jobs translate into a better financial situation. The first time that this myth is seriously contested in Greece is around those days. 
rising unemployment, corruption, growing public debt, lack of political representation, and clientelism in favour of meritocracy increased the already widespread mistrust towards the state. When a police officer, an organ of the state, was responsible for the death of a young boy, that was the last straw before the explosion. Protests and riots enjoy legitimacy in Greece. They don't just enjoy legitimacy because we can think that Greeks are riotous subjects or any sort of that kind of reduction. The general consensus amongst Greek society is that real change can only be achieved through public demonstration. There is no separation between the Greek state and the government, as is the case with most Western democratic countries. That's why every time that a change is required because people are unhappy, this does not come through legal reform, because it doesn't happen. The osmosis between the political parties and the state, which makes the political system very rigid and close and as such, there is no reflection on the actual needs of the society or other political groups. There is a class to change and I think people are accustomed to that and perhaps they are locked into the system because the elites do not necessarily hear what the people have to say about that. Protests are endemic because that's the way things change in Greece. Because the state is not independent, it's not a western type state in the sense that there is not even a pretension of meritocracy. It is a state that it is corrupt in its consumption. The protests and riots of 2008 were unprecedented in many ways. Apart from their uniqueness in terms of range, duration and resonance, another unique aspect was the lack of clear-cut demands. There was the anarchist movement which had a very clear ideological commitment against the state. There were people who were not necessarily anarchists but sympathizers and they did not want to ruin the state but they wanted to react against police brutality, against certain political measures. They were people who thought that that's a moment of protest and perhaps insurrection of the people so they participated for those reasons. Some migrants participated as well, perhaps for their own reasons and because of racism they experienced. Other people they participated for reasons of solidarity. There's always an element of opportunism. Whether this is intentional or unintentional. People wanted to be part of that crowd who was reacting to something that made sense. The only cohesion sensed by every participant was the condemnation of Alexis Grigoropoulos' death and the general desire for change. They were unprecedented as well because they were ideological riots with such resonance. These were not bread riots, they were not like what we see with Gilets jaunes in France today. Reacting against reality and against something that is considered vital to survive, whether this is bread or petrol, not necessarily after first being convinced about an ideological purpose. So it was not that type of riot, which is the most common type of riot. They were not race riots, which are very much related to the experience of the US and countries with a colonial past, like the UK or like France, or countries with strong migrant minorities. They were unprecedented in the fact that they were motivated by ideology and a certain ideologization of history. The fact that Greece has suffered from a fascist regime and the police had implemented that and so on and so forth. So in that respect they were unprecedented and I think they were quite unique. But they were to be bitterly disappointed. Out of the protest movements, we didn't have something concrete that came out, which can reveal somehow the limitations of this engagement of different groups. All they got were tough austerity measures and memoranda that would cripple them even further. A serious turn for the worse. 
it demonstrated that the dream of success and development was over. The Greek economic crisis came into full swing, with the 700 euro generation becoming the 300 euro generation, unemployment reaching nearly 50% and public demonstrations reaching new heights. It was a harbinger of events to come and of that economic crisis, institutional crisis, political crisis, representation crisis in which we live through now. The anarchists saw an opportunity, like the left more generally saw an opportunity in the crisis that followed 2008, starting from 2010 actually. They have led protests and clashes operationally in the years that came after 2008. Perhaps the most significant change the December of 2008 caused was the redrawing of traditional political lines in Greece. Sympathizers of the one or the other position did not necessarily took the traditional positions of the left or the right. And I think that was a harbinger of the future, of what we see today. Who is left and who is right in Greece? Anti-state discourse is expressed by the left and by the right. We can talk about different definitions of the left and the right and dissent being used both by the far left and by the far right against a system which is defined in different ways and then having the center mostly representing the elites. The December of 2008 marked the end of any bohemian color which may have been left in Exarchia. Today it is both a tourist attraction and an enclave of criminal activities. Attempts made by the authorities to reclaim this space have always been met violently with hooded anarchists, stones and Molotov cocktails. It's almost a ritual every Friday and Saturday night that some anarchist groups would attack the station police vans stationed outside specific places. The governments have decided that to a certain extent Exarchia is a space which needs to be protected but just around Exarchia there are many police vans stationed around the clock every day. It means something as well. This space is protected to a certain extent. This space is safe but that space shouldn't expand itself. That's also a very interesting almost unofficial arrangement. Even so, Exarchia's desperate residents and their consistent outcries led to a clean-up operation during the recording of this podcast. Once again, anarchists set a perimeter around their enclave and clashed with the police, prohibiting them from entering their space. The outcome of these efforts is unclear, but the strong anarchist sentiment and determination in maintaining Exarchia as a no-go zone for state apparatuses is still very pertinent. We don't know what's going to happen.